tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Thank you for being with us today. My name is Mike, uh, one of the pastors here. And you know, one of the fun stories of life is when someone who has been a victim in some way turns victor and accomplishes much. Many of humanity's greatest accomplishments came out of a struggle. And instead of wallowing in a victim mentality, they got to work on a solution and it was victorious. So what do you think? What do you think are are some of the greatest accomplishments of all time? Just yell them out. Chocolate? (laughs) Yes. That might be the the greatest accomplishment of all times. What else? What's it? Moon landing? Yeah, that was amazing. Incredible. Anything else? The printing press changed the world. And coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I have a few here uh, that have changed mankind. And, and uh, uh, one is the, um, the light bulb. Uh, and and you, some of you know the story of the light bulb. Thomas Edison uh, tried and tried and failed and failed and continued to fail but yet he wouldn't give in. He wouldn't just simply give up. And he chose to go forward with that and and, and struggle, but yet he didn't take on that victim mindset that everything is bad and nothing is good, but he kept at it. Another uh, victory story is a story of Disney. Some of you know the story of Disney, that he uh, failed miserably, it says some 300 times. Critics say he would never amount to anything, nor would his ideas really come to fruition. He was rejected, highly criticized, failed. But he did not take on the, the, the victim role in blaming others or abandon responsibility. He realized life is tough and he kept going. And a lot of us enjoy the reality of that. Uh, and quite often, whether it's Disney Plus or Disney uh, Resort or numerous things, movies and such. Another happened in 1956. Marcus Logan felt the physical pain along with others of trying to, yes, of trying to uh, tie cables with wax-coated braided nylon rope. And it made calluses and cuts on his fingers and his hands. And you know, he could have easily just quit and gave up and played the victim, but he sought to figure out the solution and the zip tie was created. Praise God for that. By the way, did you know that the black uh, zip ties, black cable ties are the ones you should use when you're out in the sun? Because they don't deteriorate as fast. Just a little tip for you. Some of you know my obsession with zip ties. But there are countless stories like this. Uh, But these days, unfortunately, there's a disturbing reality out there where playing the victim has become all too prevalent and pervasive. And some have called it the other pandemic. It's a victim mentality where blame is constant. Responsibility is refused. Listing troubles and hardships and difficulties has become the norm. Self is at the center. Entitlement is paramount. 
and taking on a, 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 sense, a controlling sense that the world has done them wrong is there. There's been many articles written about victimhood, how to spot it, how to pull out of it. And for most every psychologist, mental health expert, counselor, mentor, coach, teacher will say a victim mentality is not good or helpful to thrive in life. It actually disempowers, robs joy, repels relationships, and isolates. Now, the truth is there are times we are victimized, hurt, abuse, wrong, persecuted, abandoned, harassed, mistreated, taken advantage of all where we suffer. I know I've, been exper- I've experienced those at times. Some of you have too. Jesus did. He suffered unjustly. Yet he did not take on a victim mentality. And we can do the same. We can move from victim to victor with God's help. Now, sure, it's easy and, and even uh, s- some relief to play the victim. And it's really popular right now, but it's still debilitating to reality of life. And yet God is all about overcoming and moving us from victim to victor. Romans 8, 37 says, no, in all these things, I become more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not not a quick fix uh, where we pray a prayer and we're all done. But there are patterns and elements we can bring into our life that will help. We were not meant to do this alone. And some may need even more guided help, whether it's a counselor or a friend or mentor or pastor or someone to help us along the way, and most certainly God. But we can become victors. We can become more than conquerors. And Psalm 118, the psalm that we're going to look at this morning, is a help. Remember, as we've been walking through uh, this section of the Bible book of Psalms, it has been focusing us on how awesome and amazing and incredible God is and how to live life in light of our bigger than we think God. Psalm 118 sets a great pattern to follow that with God's help, he can move us from victim to victor for actions to live victorious for entrusting life to God's way empowers us to rise up and to live victorious. Now this Sunday is a little different uh, because we have the opportunity to hear from one of our interns, Jacob, who will be sharing and preaching with me this morning. Yeah, we can clap. We're excited about that. He's going to bring his great Bible school knowledge uh, and now put into practice as he shares with us But before we launch into this study uh, this morning, wouldn't you mind please standing with me and let's pray and ask God to challenge us. Um, Some of us have been caught up in that victim mentality and it's easy to get that way. And God really wants us to live victorious. And even like Colson was was sharing, he's in a process and we all are in a process and maybe this will help this morning. Let's ask God to do that. Father God, we Thank you this morning that we're not meant to be perfect immediately or all of a sudden cured. You give us a process to follow. And so, Lord, I pray that today as we walk through this psalm, some lights will go on, some challenges. Holy Spirit, teach us what you want us to learn, that we may step more towards victorious living in you and not get caught up in the downward spiral of that victim mentality. Bless us, we pray, and use this time, we pray in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. You can have a seat, and I encourage you to take out the worship folder that Patsy talked to you about today. Uh, if you fold it over, there's some blanks to fill in, answers are on the screen. If you are online with us, this outline should be somewhere around our website. If not, just grab a piece of paper and start writing down some notes. Encourage you with that. Also, if you're looking for the answers to the fill in the blanks and all the extra verses that both Jacob and I will use, you can grab one of our study guides. It's online as well, but it's also out these double doors and turn left. There's a resource table there. This uh, study guide is there. There's some, all, like I said, the answers to fill in the blank. There's also some great questions that we put down, and there's a couple articles that uh, we give you links to that you can go towards and, and help. And Because you know, our hope is that you would use this time in God's Word as a launch pad for, some, for your own study. As you look up some of these things, some things bring to your mind, go back and look at the verses and study that. If you want some help, you can look at our uh, revive section of our pod, of our uh, uh, website, and on there, there's a link to a podcast that we do most each week, and it helps us dive deeper. There's also all of these helps that we've mentioned there before. Well, Psalm 118 is called the last of the Egyptian Psalms, which is Psalm 113 to 118, Psalms that related to the suffering and the victimization Israel experienced some 400 years as slaves in Egypt. Uh, parts of Psalm 118 are quoted as Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the last day of his life. Uh, Matthew 21, 9 mentions that, Mark 11, 9, Luke 19, 38. Um, and also this psalm has been used throughout church history as a song of encouragement, thanking God for bringing us out of oppression and into living victoriously, for entrusting life God's way empowers us to rise up and to live victorious. So let's look at these four actions to live victoriously out of uh, Psalm 118. I'll start us off and, and look at the first one, which is acknowledging the goodness of God. So if hopefully you have your Bible open and you can uh, turn to Psalm 118. Let me just read the first verse. Actually, the first part of the first verse, I'm going to read the whole verse. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. God is good. There's a great article that I put in the worship, uh, in the um, study guide. It's also will be, a uh, link will be online, but a great article on the goodness of God. But God is good, meaning he always acts according with what is right and true and good. God is faithful, means he cannot contradict his nature. God will always be good and do good. God being good means there is no evil in him and all he has originally created is good. Even us, we're a good creation. Look at the person next to you and say, mm, you're good. <laughs> and God is good in what he's created. Now, sin messed it up. Back in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, Adam and Eve sinned. And when that happened, uh, you know, they were given free will to not, uh, to, 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 do, to not eat of this tree, but yet they did anyway, because when the, the enticement of the enemy, enticement of Satan, and they ate of this, and when they did that, boom, sin entered humanity's DNA. And then from then all the way through, all men have sinned, as Romans says, and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have this unfortunate sin disease in us, and there's nothing we humanly can do to rid ourselves. That's why we need a savior and God actually provided that good opportunity. You see, sin is bad, but God is good. And we are to recount and thank God for all the good he is. His love, his grace, his mercy, his protection, his provision, 
his, the blessings he has handed us, and of course, salvation, the redemption of our sin. Because there's nothing we can do to rid ourselves of sin. We need a savior, and that's why Jesus came, lived on earth, showed us how to relate to God, but also went to the cross, dumping all of our sin on him. He paid the penalty for sin, rose from the grave, saying that, yes, he is the cure for our sin, and how we benefit from that is to believe, to say, yes, I'm sinful, I need a savior, and I know it's Jesus, and I'm trusting in him for my salvation. That's the message of the gospel. Gospel means good news because it's good news that our sin is taken. And as we recount the goodness of God, we start to see that he is for us, that he is there, there helping us and giving us hope and that we're not alone, that God is bigger than we think. And when we start expanding and how awesome and amazing and incredible and huge God is, all of a sudden, problems begin to shrink. Oh, I got this issue? Well, God is way bigger than that. He can handle that. He can help me walk through it. Yes, I need to process the pain and the struggle and the frustration of that, but I know God is going to help me through because he says he will, and he's good. God can get us through. When, he, when we see how big it, uh, these issues are, they become manageable and, and not life-altering as we think. God can get us through and even use the struggles and the hardships in our life to help us thrive. Psalm 34, 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. To keep us out or to pull us out of this victim mentality, it really helps to acknowledge the goodness of God. How have you seen the goodness of God? Some keep a journal and list all the ways that they've experienced the goodness of God. This Friday, um, this last Friday night, our, our kids said, hey, let's all get together. And so um, all of us got together, our, our 10 grandchildren <laughs> and all of our kids, and everybody was there. And I just sat at one moment, I just was sitting there and it just <clears throat> kind of welled up and just said, God is so good. I don't deserve this. Uh, but man, look at the beauty of all that God has created and the fact that I get to enjoy that. I have breath in my lungs. I get to enjoy life another day. And God has, and it's the listing, those good things that God has experienced and given us for the fact that we have salvation. Why not try that? Start listing the ways that you have seen the goodness of God in your own life and cry out like the psalmist, oh, give thanks for the Lord, to the Lord for he is good. For entrusting life to God's way empowers us to rise up and live victoriously. Jacob, come lead us through the next couple of points here. Oh, well, it's a joy for me to get to share God's word with you guys um, this morning. And we just learned about acknowledging the goodness of God, right? And the next action for us to live victoriously is Pastor Mike hit on a little bit, but it's to express appreciation. Uh, and in Psalm 118, that's where we were. If you guys turn to verses 28 through 29, verse 28 says this, you are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Well, this past semester, um, when I was at Biola finishing up my senior year, for one of my classes, a part of what I had to do was keep a gratitude journal. And that was one of the best things that I've had to do because starting my day off in gratitude reminded me 
of what God has already done for me in the past. And it was a reminder that I can lean into him and trust him for today. Learning to give thanks is something that can help sustain you as hard times come. As the difficulties of life roll around, whether that be health issues, financial issues, relational issues, so on, right? By having written down the things that God's done in your life, you're able to actually look back in those challenging times and be like, oh yeah, God is a good God. He's shown up here for me. He's still in control. He still loves me. And what I'm going through is really difficult. But even if there's nothing in life that I can be thankful for that's coming to mind, I'll still choose to thank God for what he did for me through Jesus and his death and resurrection on the cross, right? What if this morning, in the midst of whatever's going on in your life, you realize that you serve a God who hasn't fallen asleep on the boat? Turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. They say this, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, the disciples had seen the miracles that Jesus had done, and yet they were still surprised when Jesus did a miracle for them. They struggled to trust him when the quite literal storms came over them, right? I wonder if for some of us, we wanna trust God fully, but we fear that maybe he's fallen asleep on us. It can seem like, well, Jesus showed up for that other person, but I don't necessarily think he would wanna show up for me, right? And it's hard to give thanks to God and remember that he is good when we're going through hard seasons in our life. But gratitude helps remind us every day that, okay, God's given me breath in my lungs. Jesus rose from the grave and there's two things that I can be thankful for. And I'll be honest, now I don't every day keep a gratitude journal like I did during that semester, but it's something that I really desire to go back to and make a part of my daily routine. And if I'm being really honest, the reason that I don't keep a gratitude journal is just because sometimes I can be pretty lazy in the morning. It's hard some days to even just wake up and roll out of bed. And if you're anything like me, once that alarm clock goes off, the last thing I'm thinking of is what I'm grateful for. But it made such a difference to go into my day acknowledging what God has done in my life and being able to actually look back and see the ways he, he's provided for me. And the best part is, is that you can integrate it into the time that you spend with God each day. And this morning, I want us actually to all practice together, writing down one thing that you're grateful for. So in your notes or in your journal or on your phone or whatever, wherever you have free space, take a moment to thank God for one thing that he's done for you. Pause just for a moment, sit with God and just write down what it is that he brings to your mind. I'll give you like 20 or 30 seconds to do that.
Now do that again, write one more thing down. And I'd encourage you guys, this is for myself just as much as anyone else, to make this a daily habit when you're spending your time with God. Because in order to live victoriously, expressing, expressing appreciation to the one who gave us that victory is key. And the next way that we live victoriously is when we lean on God's sovereignty. So flip back in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 118. We'll be in verses 10 to 14. And they say this, all nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Well, my grandfather was a beekeeper. And if there's anything that I learned about bees, it's that if my body would let me, I'd live off honeycomb because especially when it's fresh, it's like the best thing ever. Um, and also that bee stings hurt really bad, right? But in this Psalm, we see that the author compares his foes to bees into a fire of thorns. And an angry swarm of bees seems like something that's impossible to fight, right? But the thing about bees is that though they hurt, they can only sting you once. Once they stick their stinger into you, they're stuck and they can't pull away without dying. Their power is gone as soon as they sting you. The same is true with a fire of thorns. While it may blaze fiercely for a time, it quickly dies out because it doesn't have any lasting substance to continue to produce more and more fire. The same's also true with the power of Satan. The cross that Jesus died on seemed like it was too much to bear, right? But it was soon over and Jesus's foes have no more power to ever harm him ever again. While sin in our world has made life really painful sometimes, we have hope because we know that it's not the end of the story and that that pain will only last for a season. Have you ever picked up a book and once you see that your favorite character that you're reading about, right, is in danger, so what do you do? You flip to the ending, right, just to make sure, okay, I've read the last page and I realize, okay, and they lived happily ever after, whatever the ending is, right? You're like, okay, it has a good ending. When we do that, it helps us read through the difficult chapters because we know that no matter what dangers seem to lie ahead, we know that the story already ends in victory. Turn to Psalm 118 verses 22 to 24, just a few verses after where we were at. Verse 22 says this, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, all throughout the Bible, we see the victory that comes from those who leaned on God's sovereignty. 
even though they may have been rejected by others, right? We read about a story of a man named Joseph who was rejected by his brothers. Then he actually became the Lord of Egypt and delivered them. We see a story of a man named Moses who was rejected by Israel, only to then be used by God to deliver them. We see a man named David. He wasn't even expected to become king. And Saul, a man named Saul even tried to kill him. But eventually he ruled over all of Israel. And like Joseph, Moses, and David, the king that was promised from David's line, who's Jesus, was also a stone that the builders rejected. But he's the one who actually became the most important stone in the whole structure, right? They call him the cornerstone. And the reason that we can give thanks and lean on him and his sovereignty and his way of life is because of the truth of the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, none of this would matter. But because it did happen, we can lean on God as the foundation of our life. For we live victoriously when we lean on God's sovereignty and the truth of who he is. Well, Pastor Mike is now gonna come up and bring us home about how we can live victoriously as followers of Jesus. I just redeemed my hope and ministry as it moves on. Uh, Acknowledging God's goodness, expressing appreciation, leaning on God's sovereignty, all ways to pull us out of this victim mindset cycle. The last of these four actions to live victorious is to take responsibility. You see, one of the, the false freedoms of a victim mentality is being free of responsibility. It says, because I was wronged by another or group or system, I'm absolved of what I should be accountable for. An entitlement grows and perpetual blame sets in as a pattern of life. Yet to keep us from or to pull us out of that cycle is to take responsibility for life and to move on, like a Thomas Edison or a Disney or many of you. It's not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps or a well up this grit to press on, but it's to take responsibility for our connection to God and to live life his way. Let's look through uh, this Psalm, another few verses, starting in verse five. I'll reread some of the ones that Jacob did to pull out a different point from that. But listen to this, starting in verse five. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me and set me free. He called. He took the responsibility of his relationship with God to actually go to God and to talk to him. Now, I know sometimes when we're in trouble and we've been hurt, we just kind of want to hunker down and and, and someone come talk to us, but we need to take responsibility and to step into God and to ask him. He's willing to listen. Again, we have a free will, and that means that we can step into help or we can wallow in a victim mentality. Verse six, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse seven, the Lord is on my side. As my helper, I shall look in triumph on those who hate me because he's taking responsibility to say that I'm not gonna fear because I trust in God more than the issues of my life, more than the circumstances, more than how I feel. See, one of the the things I love about when Colson 
gets honest with us. He's honest saying, I am struggling, but I know Colson, and he is, as he mentioned, he's taking responsibility to see the greatness of God. He's getting help. He's seeing the responsibility to, to really see God. And he knows that even though he feels one way, he trusts God more. Does that make sense? Because that's the idea is to take responsibility and to say, I'm going to step into this relationship with God and actually believe what he says. God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And he actually means that. There is never a time God is absent from you. Oh, ooh, I forgot. That's not God. He's always there personally present. It is better, verse 8, to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. It's better to take refuge, verse 9, in the Lord than to trust in princes. You know, when it's raining outside, I know that's foreign to us here. But there's actually, water does actually fall from the sky in most every place in the world. Just not here. When it does, we can stand in the rain and enjoy it for a while, but pretty soon you're going to get soaked and cold. And you can stand there in the rain of our difficulties and sit there and go, oh, it's raining. It's so hard. It's raining. And within two feet of walk, there's shelter. There's refuge. But I'm just going to sit in here and take it. Even though you could step two feet over and sit under an umbrella or under an overhang. That's taking refuge, but it takes you taking responsibility for your life and moving yourself there. Yes, there are times when we need God to carry us. And you know he does. Many of you have experienced that. You've been so brought low. The God of the universe just scooped you up and took you to refuge. But there's a lot of times that we need to step into that. This psalmist says to take refuge. Verses 10 to, to, to 12. In other words, here it is. All, all the, uh, the nations surround me in the name of the Lord. I will cut them off. They surrounded me. They surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I will cut them off. They surrounded me like bees that, that Jacob talked about. Don't you just want some honeycomb right now? <laughs> uh, they went out uh, like a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will cut them off. It's taking responsibility saying, I get what God's word says, and I'm going to take defense. And I'm going to push that sin out of my life. I'm going to push that not healthy person out of my life. I'm going to take action for that. I'm not just going to sit and go, oh, I hope it happens. It's taking responsibility to step forward and, and to live and to take action. Look at Psalm 118, verse 17 and 18. It says, I shall not die, but I shall live. And recounted these, Lord, they're, they're, they're taking responsibility. It's, it's to live life God's way. It's not just to sit there and hope it happens, but actually I'm going to take the strides and actions. I'm going to write that those good things that happen to me. I'm going to take that gratitude journal. I'm going to actually take some action to that. It's knowing and practicing and following Jesus and serving his purposes and learning because God's going to coach us. The Lord, verse 18, has disciplined me severely but he has not given me over to death. The truth is God is coaching you. When you came to faith in Jesus, you got a coach, the Holy Spirit, and he is constantly coaching you. But like any coach, if you don't take the responsibility to listen and to put into action what he says, it's not going to happen. He wants us to walk through there and, and, and he coaches us and he convicts and he challenges and he guides. Yes, there are times 
that life is like a lazy river, but, but more times it's like surfing. It's tough to paddle out past the breakers and to paddle out and catch that wave. And when we rise up, whoo, man, the ride is awesome. And, and the thrill is there. So how could we step up to be a bit more responsible in life? It will pull us out and keep us from that victim mentality for entrusting life God's way empowers us to rise up and to live victorious. A victim mentality is that deep pit that does not help us in life. And yes, we need help to get out there, to get out of that. I know I've received help pulling me out of that victim mentality because I've been a victim of abuse and other tragedies in life. And it has really helped to get help. Talk to a pastor, see a counselor, uh, go to, to celebrate recovery. There's a lot of them in around their areas. And actually, we're going to be doing a, a new study called Life's Healing Choices. It's from the Celebrate Recovery Ministry. And there's some great helps through this. When this comes up, jump in, because it will be encouragement to you. And uh, um, healing and helping that is, is, is taking responsibility for that is good. It's easy to get drawn into that victim mentality. We have an enemy that wants to keep us locked down in that in our sin and to bring about, because it brings about great suffering and he enjoys that in our life. But God wants us to thrive. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to lead us into a victorious life. Acknowledging the goodness of God, expressing the appreciation of God, leaning on God's sovereignty and taking responsibility for entrusting life God's way empowers us to rise up and to live victorious. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for challenging us with your word this morning. And what a great psalm this is uh, and very, very, so timely in the, in the season of life that we're living in now, God, help us. Um, Help us to not get sucked in to this victim mentality. And Lord, if we're there, help us to, to get out. Lord, to, to, to lean on and, and to understand and to recognize and acknowledge your goodness and to express that appreciation of all that you've done in our life and to, to lean on your sovereignty. And, and then Lord, to with your help, with your coaching, to take the responsibility to take those steps to live that victorious, wonderful life as part of your family. Thank you, God. Thank you for the reality of our relationship with you. Help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.